Thank you, Holly. And thank you, Irene, for ministering in music. If you want to take your Bibles and turn to James chapter 1, this morning is probably not so much a sermon. It's more or less talking, maybe sharing my heart uh, in light of, you know, things that have been raised along the way. I know over the years, we talk about reaching children, we talk about reaching uh, teenagers, we talk about reaching young adults, and I know within our nation, within the Christian community, people say we need to reach children, teens, young adults, and some would say there seems to be a falling away among that age group. I'm not drawing a conclusion either way, but want to no, respond to that as it relates to our own church. And it involves all of us, whether we're young or we're on the other end, older or somewhere in between. But James 1 and verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. In that portion of scriptures in the context of James talking about trials and difficulties and then responding to God's to God, in the midst of temptation, and he emphasizes, don't merely listen, do what Scripture says. So the question I would ask this morning, and I'll probably come back to it if I don't come back to it often enough, it's because I forgot, but are we obedient? Are we obedient? Are we listening to the Word? Are we applying the Word? in our lives, individually as a church, as families, and so on. So as we think about reaching young people, you think about reaching children and teenagers, the question is, are we obedient? And I'm not here to say we are or not, but here to say here's some direction I think we need to pursue. We're not dealing with something new when we talk about young people. The enemy, Satan, has been working since Adam and Eve. You can go back to the beginning of Scripture. You can look at history before the church. You can look at church history. And the issue of young people, teenagers, children, and so on, and a desire to reach them has been present. And their drifting has also been present. We're not discussing a particular passage of Scripture. There be a variety of passages of Scripture that are tied in with what I'm discussing, even though we won't mention all of them. And our desire in the bottom line should be to be obedient as a pattern of life. Life is not measured by how much we individually or as a church do, but rather remaining and abiding in Christ. So some thoughts as we 
interact this morning. It's important to keep the core absolutes in place. Keeping God's will, God's design, and God's plan in place as a pattern. God clearly designed leaders to be godly. Parents to be training and instructing children. Grandparents to have an impact upon grandchildren. And older saints to have an impact upon middle-aged saints and younger saints. God's design And whether it be our church or someone else, we need to be slow to try to do a lot of other things unless we make sure we're seeking to keep that in place. You'll never do that perfectly, but having a passion to keep that in focus. That requires constant attention and obedience. And as you look at history, that's been up and down. Secondly, God tells us what children, teenagers, and young adults need. What they're looking for, what they're hungering for. The evidence of the transforming power of the gospel. Young people are looking for evidence of the transforming power of the gospel in their own lives, in the lives of their family, in the lives of church leaders. They're looking for evidence of holiness in desires, attitudes, services. The attitudes, desires, motives, I'm sorry, in works and actions of people. They long for that. They want to see it, that God makes a difference. Holiness in leaders, parents, grandparents, and older saints. How encouraging it is to be talking to someone younger and say, I see in my mom, or I see in my dad, or I see in my grandparents, or I see in an older saint, or I see in a church leader, a holiness. They're also looking for genuineness, not thrills. Nothing wrong with thrills. But as God works, young people are not looking for excitement, entertainment. And there's a time and a place for that. But they want something genuine. Is it real? Another just core is the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel of Christ is powerful. And that's brought out in Romans 1, 16 and 17, 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 31. It's not methods, although some method has to be used. It's not programs. Programs may be used. It's not a worship style. I don't care what type of worship style it may be. It's not a music style. I don't care what type it might be. It's not ministries. The power is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You may use a host of other things, but the power is still in the gospel. And the gospel is offensive. 
transforming lives in church leaders, parents, grandparents, older saints are very, very powerful at impacting children, teenagers, and young adults. A life just lived that is transforming. I'm not saying how it's transforming, but being transformed by the power of the gospel. And I list some passages there, passages that we have looked at along the way over the years. It has a big, profound impact. Such lives lived at home with neighbors. The way my father treated our neighbors had a big impact on my life. Dad had to respond to neighbors a number of times. And the way my mother talked about some neighbors and things that were happening in their life that involved her had a very profound impact. Just the way they lived their lives. The results in questions at home. So one question my brothers and I had for dad was, Dad, why do we not wash eggs on Sunday and have to get up at 4 o'clock Monday morning and get them done before we go to school? Why can't we do it on Sunday? Dad's lifestyle prompted that question. I'm not out to answer that now. But the way we live makes a big, big difference. And I think that too results in body of Questions for the body of Christ. So those are things that we need to keep in focus. We have ups and downs. We struggle. And tied in with that is just priorities. We go from the inside out. We start in Christ. We come into relationship with God, with Christ. The Spirit lives within us. Body life is important. No, the one another's a scripture. Shepherding, leaders caring for people is important. Corporate worship is vital. And then marriage. Marriage is foundational. But marriage is dependent upon what happens in body life and shepherding in corporate worship. Many times we say marriage comes before the body, but what happens in our marriages is really dependent upon what happens in corporate worship, body life and shepherding, being faithful to those, because we need that to know how to live and respond in marriage. And then children, parents and children, Being with is important, not merely activity. And you will find that the enemy, down through the pages of history, will attack this brown area. He'll attack marriage and he'll attack parents and children. And then we go to our daily lives, sports, job, school, neighbors, hospitality, shopping, and just things in daily life. And then, if there is a one, if there's teens, VBS, funerals, and so on, not required in Scripture, but yet not wrong in light of Scripture. But if the inner circles are not being cared for, 
if you have something in this outer circle like Iwan and teens and so on, that will not have a tremendous amount of impact because the core is being neglected. Nothing wrong with those items. And I would mention something else that all are important, but there's a progression from the inside out in terms of building upon one another. And I would also emphasize that I think all of them should be intergenerational in light of Scripture. The older, the younger, the middle-aged being together. We display faith in God by acting on the items listed here. If we think about life, how often are we tempted to put our marriage or parents and children and some other activity ahead of body life, shepherding, and corporate worship? That has a profound impact over the years and what happens in the outer areas. The enemy will do everything under the sun to distort what God designed. And we want to think in terms of this chart, just about our mission field. And you say, how does this affect children, teens, and young adults? I'll explain. We all go to work, or many of us go to work, or we have a job at home and so on. We go to school. Many people are involved in sports. We deal with neighbors. We go shopping. We do business at various places. That's something in daily life. We all come into contact with unbelievers in these avenues of life. As we live faithful and we seek to live faithful in these areas of life, we impact children and teens and young adults. A man who goes to his job and lives godly will influence other people in the job. And as he influences them and may point them to Christ, he's also going to influence the family or a lady or school You know, we influence others deeply. Recently, someone was sharing with me that the father was saying, I played with my kids when they were younger. During the summer, we would play outside, and a couple years later, some guy stopped and said, "Uh, I've noticed you play with your kids. My wife and I are having major difficulties. Can you help me? Just living out his faith day by day. Think about the mission field that is present in what we already do and where we live. Maybe we don't need to add tons Just be faithful where we are or maybe act a little more in some areas. We say we've got to reach kids. Is there any kids in the neighborhood that live next door to you or close by that you can reach out to? How about young adults? How about the kids of the coworker 
you reach the coworker, that's going to have a profound impact. Also, think about families. So we think about reaching others, the immediate family in which you live, and also the extended family. I started to work on it one time, and I kind of gave up because it came too cumbersome. Started to list people. So I list Joe and Eunice. List their kids and their grandkids and some great-grandkids. List Arden, you know, and kids and so on. If you stop and think about that, within our church, we're dealing with hundreds of people that are our mission field. You say they don't all live here. That's okay. That's a mission field that we interact with, that we relate to. Sometimes we say, let's do something else. But if we're seeking to respond to a mission field, and I know everyone's not going to respond. But ponder that, and that's part of what we'll do Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday as we pray. To pray about families and individuals and those that we already have contact with. Then on top of that, we have some ministries that we're already doing. We have an Awana ministry. This past year, throughout the year, there were four or five on-church families involved. Just taking time to build a relationship with that family. The one couple that I talked with briefly were just dying for a relationship from what they shared with me. They're just buying up those opportunities that are already present. How about teens? A little response just in a couple of teens from this past year sharing had a profound impact that teens carried to school and impacted others. Something that's already present. VBS. Not having it this year, but normally. How many unsaved families? Do we follow up? Do we build relationships to them? Or with them, rather, and seek to minister to them? Funerals. If someone is willing, I guess volunteer at this point, I can give you the names of people that are open to relationships that will keep you busy 20 to 30 hours every week. Just from funerals that we have had, whether within the church or in the community. Unbelievers, open, willing, saying there's a mission field already there, you know, reaching them. Do you ever stop to consider that if you reach out to a widow or a widower, that you've reached out to the children and to the grandchildren, and they're open because you reached out to their parent or grandparent, and that opens doors to share the gospel. You're saying we already have that. Services. Just visitors that come over the years and seeking to respond to them. No visitors form an opinion about us when they walk in the door, and then they form an opinion about us, how we respond, you know. Uh, When we were in Tennessee this past year, we visited a number of churches, and one I went into, I thought, I'm going to just not be very friendly. I'm just going to go and not talk to anyone. 
I do a little experiment. Just go in and sit and if someone comes to me, fine. If they don't, <clears throat> it was interesting. You know how people responded. Now you're in the South. People are supposed to be more friendly and so on. But if people respond. You know, if they do come, we invite others. They do respond. <clears throat> and then just another question, I'm not trying to answer it, but something to think about. Do we reach out to those close to our building? Those within a mile of this building, they know about our church in the sense that there's a building here. They know more about us than we might care to know. No, wide open door just to reach out to them. There's tons of kids and teenagers. So question, not looking for an answer. Are we reaching out to the open doors God has given to us? We have them. Are we reaching out to them? Are we verbalizing in our daily lives as we go to our jobs, as we go to school, as we relate to a neighbor, as we're at a funeral, and so on? Are we just verbalizing? Are we willing to care for people, verbalize the gospel? Maybe not verbalize the gospel. Maybe say, here's some counsel on how to respond when they ask, and so on. Do we have time for more? How many of us are looking to add five hours to our life with more activity? If you are, fine. Let's do some new activity. But if not, maybe buy up opportunities that are already present. Are we making disciples? I'm not saying we aren't, I'm just trying to go back to the core. Are we making disciples? Of those. What's going on here, Jer? I'm getting out of whack here. Are we making disciples of those the Lord has entrusted to us? Now think back in history of our church, the last 50, 80, 100 years, of people that have been ministered to as children, maybe grandchildren maybe came to some ministry. Were they ministered to? Did we make disciples? I'm not saying we didn't. Just saying a question to ask. Being faithful where God has placed us. Some proposed action. Be faithful in what God has entrusted to us. Be faithful in what God has entrusted to us. Will God necessarily give us more if we're not faithful in what we have? We need to just focus on being faithful to children, to grandchildren, VBS, Awana, teens, those who attend their families and so on, our neighbors. Over the years, tremendous opportunity for funerals you know, to reach out and minister to people. The sick, those in the hospital. So in Awana, a kid comes, a teen comes and says, my grandpa is in the hospital. Grandpa is not involved in church or 
he's a non-believer, and someone goes to see that grandpa. Just walking through an open door that is already there has a tremendous impact as we just care for what God has already given to us. Caring for our children. All children and grandchildren will not respond, but seeking to be faithful. This is a true story. There's an older man who had a lot of struggles in life, and uh, I wanted to talk to him about God, and he was always somewhat resistant. And he happened to end up in the hospital, and I thought, because I know this guy, I'm going to go see him. And uh, I brought up the issue of God, and I could immediately see that he didn't want to talk about it. And I said to him, why don't you want to talk about God? <laughs> and he said, because uh, of Christians. I said, because of Christians? What do you mean? Oh, he, he said, they told me to clean up my life. He told people, Christians told me my mouth was really bad and a host of other things. I said, okay, I'll leave it at that. And, I went to see him again. I said, can I talk to you about God? And this time he said, yeah, you can, but nobody else. I thought, okay, wide open door. And I walked through it and we talked a while. And then I said to him, why are you willing to talk to me about God? But you don't want others to talk to you about God. He said, because of your kids. I thought, this guy doesn't even know my kids. He said, uh, I know about your, more about your kids than you think. He said, I've been watching them. We had some good conversations about God. To my knowledge, he didn't come to faith before he passed away. But my point is, the way we live has an impact. That opened the door. It wasn't me opening the door. Just being faithful in what God has given to us. Not maybe adding a host of things, but are we being you know, the most effective in where we are? Make the best. Be effective in what we are doing. Awana, teens, VBS, families, extended family, School, work, neighbors, visitors, funerals, just whatever it may be. Seeking to do our best with them. Many opportunities there that may fall by the wayside. And if we buy up the opportunities we have, that will open doors to others. Example, a lady, older lady, had a funeral for her husband. <clears throat> And over the course of time, you know, a couple of conversations with her and four kids. I'm not sure how many grandchildren. Just by ministering to that lady, that opens the door to children and the grandchildren. They're buying up what is present. Building walking through open doors that are there. 
being willing to get beyond the four walls. Ministries within the four walls are good, but please understand it goes beyond that. It's our daily life. Don't say, let's reach kids and let's get them into some program. That's fine. We're doing it. But do something where you are in your daily life. Reach that grandfather, reach that parent, and then you impact grandchildren or you impact children. You know, it has a tremendous impact. Just build relationships beyond our ministry. Nothing wrong with ministry, but build relationships beyond that in daily life. And then verbalize as we care for people. I'm not saying we're not doing it. I'm just encouraging us to see that as reaching young people and kids and teens. Seek the Lord. Listen to him. Evaluate. Repent if necessary. Concerning the reality 60 to 70% of those raised in Christian homes and churches who are going through what we call good ministries are not giving evidence of being biblical disciples of Christ. That seems to be true across our nation. Should we stop and think about that? Has God said something that we're not responding to, that we're not listening to? Many times we say in Christianity in America, well, let's add this or let's add that. And that may be fine and good. But are we asking, is dad teaching his own children? Is dad praying with their mother? Is grandpa loving grandma, and inviting the kids over to pray together. That has a profound impact. I'm just saying that I think we need to step back sometimes and ask questions. What can we do to get teenagers interested in coming to hear the gospel? And you may do something and they may come. But what better way than to see a mom or a dad or a grandfather or an older saint or a grandmother or a church leader that is just loving God. And I may have shared this before. Our families are broken. They're messed up in our country. That's not new. It's been true down through the ages. But there was a young girl who had been abused, who had been going through tremendous difficulty, happened to be standing inside a church building as one of the pastors and his wife went out to the car. And he noticed, or she noticed, that when they went to the car, he walked with her to the passenger side of the car, opened the door for her and closed the door, and then went around and got in himself, and they drove away. And she broke down and wept. Why? Because she never knew a man could love a woman like that. All she had ever seen from men 
was abuse. She saw something real that may be minor in the minds of most people. Asking, is there something else going on underneath the surface that we don't even think about when it comes to children and teenagers and young adults and where they are with God? And it's not new. That was true in the Old Testament. And God did ask some questions and he did speak. True in the New Testament, been true down through the ages of church history. But just willing to step back and say, what's going on here? I'm sitting at a Thanksgiving meal with some of my cousins. We, the conversation drifted to our parents. And we all kind of agreed that our parents, our uncles, in this case we're talking about some fathers and siblings, that they were kind of stubborn and not always easy to get along with. And one of the cousins said, uh, that's just part of the being brewbakers. Brewbakers tend to be stubborn and difficult at times. And I said, well, we don't like to call it stubbornness, it's stick to That didn't change the nature of anything. But we talked a little bit longer, and I said, hold it. We don't have to continue to be like this. We don't have to be like our fathers. If you think they're stubborn, we don't have to be like them. And they said, we can't change. That's just the way we are. That's our heritage. I said, no, that's not true. I said, I think I have changed. He said, Dan, you're the same as your dad was in certain areas of life. Ruth Ann was sitting beside me, but she was talking to someone else, and she didn't hear any of the conversation. I said, ask Ruth Ann. So Ruth Ann turned around, and they said to her, is Dan like his dad, like some of our fathers? She said, Dan has changed a lot. And I don't say that to any credit of myself. I say it to ask do we need to stop and ask some questions about church leaders, about fathers and mothers and grandparents and older saints? Is there anything present that hinders young people being responsive to God? Another thought, placing at least or at least as much or more than equal emphasis on adults as children and teens. Not opposed. Let's do for children. Let's do for teens. That's fine. Most churches have something for children, something for teens. Where's our men's ministry on Wednesday night? Where's our ladies' ministry on Wednesday night? Where's our parents' ministry on Wednesday night? And I'm not being critical or negative. We want to reach young people. And we emphasize reaching young people. Let's do something for them. Let's do something for the people that are involved in their lives that are to be influencing them deeply. And we have done things down through the years. And I'm not saying let's add a host of things. I'm just trying to get us to think. Place as much emphasis 
and adults as children. An older gentleman that I have met a number of times, he lives in the state of Indiana. And he's an avowed man who wants to stand firm in terms of purity. Why? Because his father said to him when he turned 16, Son, you're turning 16. I'm going to introduce you to sexuality. Let's go to some prostitutes. That had a profound impact on him. How about helping men and women who battle with sexuality? Reaching men, reaching women. Statistics would tell us 70 to 80% of men are heavily involved in pornography. Think about the impact that that has on children and grandchildren. The statistics in women is slowly coming up, not that high. But helping women has a profound impact. Just a thought, you know. I'm not saying don't help children, teens or young adults, but an equal emphasis on men and women. If you're reaching children and teens, young adults, not primarily the responsibility of the entire church or corporate action, but the responsibility of just individuals in daily life, marriages in families and homes, and leaders as they equip. Well, we've got to have this ministry. If we're going to reach kids, we're going to reach young adults, we're going to reach teenagers, we have need, to, need to have this ministry here. That's fine and good. I'm not saying don't do that. But let's view it also as the whole body in daily life involved. What an encouragement it is for me to go, and this happened on a number of occasions, someone's talking about reaching young people, and I say, yeah, we have some older people that really invest in young people, and it's been showing in the, their lives. We have homes that are seeking to teach godly, and it shows and has an impact. Focus on men. Fathers, marriages, parents. I'm not diminishing women in any way, shape, or form when I say that. But the enemy loves to build on passive men. Keep the enemy in focus. Satan is real. I usually don't keep track of some things, but when something happens fairly often, then I would think there's some kind of pattern. I found in my ministry, if I'm going to speak on marriage, going to speak on parenting, or God's design and sexuality, that I can expect to go through a tremendous battle. coming from the enemy or his cohorts. I was recently sitting in my study, 
And I don't usually share myself like this. But I came to the point, I said, God, what's going on? I actually called a couple people and said, pray for me. There's just something going on in my life, in my study that I can't explain. And I sat and thought, I was dealing with some of the very issues of discussing this morning. And there was an oppression there. Guys, ladies, children, as we seek to obey God, the enemy will attack and try to destroy. He's real. He's on the prowl. That's why when a family or a couple is going to pray together, that everything under the sun will happen. And you'll make all kinds of excuses. Been there, done that. Satan is alive. He's real. But God is greater. Christ is at work in his body for his glory. He'll lure us to doubt. He'll want us to think if we can reach the kids, that's really important. Rather than getting us to say, let's reach the kids and the parents. Let's keep a balance. He'll lure us to doubt of the importance of pursuing godly marriages and godly homes. And he'll use the world and get our focus on the present. I don't have a list of new things that I think we should do. Probably many things we could do. My encouragement at the point in time in our ministry is to take what is already in place and build upon it. And if you have time to do something, you want something to do that we're not doing, fine. Come to the elders and we'll say, bless you, and you do it. It's not that we're opposed to doing something beyond that. That's not the issue. But seeking to be faithful. In what we already have. So many open doors. We're walking through doors already. We're striving to be faithful in many areas. But coming back time and time again. Let's make sure we're faithful. Not being afraid to ask questions and to make adjustments. We think children are easier to reach than adults. The Holy Spirit has to convict an adult as well as a child. They're both equally dead. They don't have as much baggage, I'll admit that. We have to lay aside that people must come to us. We can go to them also. Yes, they can come, but let's go. We must lay aside methods and programs will override disobedience. No, it won't. 
God has a backup plan for the core absolutes. God has no backup plan for the core absolutes. There is none. What I discussed earlier with the circle and so on, he doesn't have any backups. Adolescents are not adults. Adolescents, in light of God, probably need to be treated as adults. I'm expected to respond as adults, not waiting until they're 25 or 30 to expect them to be adults. Mary probably was a teenager, mid-teens, when she gave birth to Jesus. And many times, you know, people get married fairly young. Again, recognizing some of the lies of the enemy. We want to be faithful where we are. We blow it at times. We can say some kids are not responsive to God. Not out to find fault or anything else. But encourage us to be faithful where we are as the elders and I in months to come seek to make some suggestions Maybe we ought to tweak some here. Maybe we ought to shift some there. For God's glory. Let's pray together. Father, We care about kids, we care about teenagers, we care about young adults. We also are concerned about being faithful to your plan, your overall design. (coughs) We recognize the enemy works and seeks to get us off track, and he's been doing that since the time of Adam and Eve. May we as a body be faithful. May Scott and Travis and I, along with some items we'll run by, Danny and Jason and Alan and Josh as deacons, not necessarily to add something new, but to strive to be faithful where we are. May we have wisdom, may we have understanding as we seek to please you. Thank you, Father, for the heritage of our church. Down through the years, people have been faithful. Other times, there may have been some drift. Thankful for those in the present are striving to be faithful. As we strive to obey you, we covet your discernment, your understanding, Father. May we not look at what isn't. May we not find fault. May we not say, if only they had or if only someone had. May we just focus on being yielded to you and faithful where we are. And when we blow it, a willingness to admit it and pick up and go on. 
for your glory, Father. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.